Today on episode number 898 of the School of Podcasting, we're talking feed drops because it's question of the month time. We're going to do a cool podcast rewind and talk about what did I use when I first started podcasting back in the day. And when it comes to podcast information, I want to make sure you always make an informed decision by checking your source. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you are new to the show, this is why I help you plan, launch, grow, and if you want to, monetize your podcast. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER when you sign up to save on either a monthly or yearly subscription. And of course, that comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And it's the last Monday of the month, which means it is a question of the month. And this month I asked, hey, what are your feelings towards feed drops? And if you've never heard of like, what's a feed drop? That's where a podcaster will play an episode Typically, it's an episode or at least a a decent-sized promo for another podcast. And the idea is the other podcaster will do the same. And I, well, I'll save my opinion. But I know some people that are like, look, I tuned in to hear the ABC podcast, and I'm getting the JKL podcast. And I know they're both letters, but that's not what I tuned in for. And so I was like, that's an interesting idea. What say you? Now, I got to give a quick shout out to York Campbell because he was the guy that said, hey, Dave, I'm trying to upload my answer to the question of the month and it's not working. And I thank you for that, York. And because I looked into it, I use a company called Mediafire for this, which gives me some code I put on the website and you can upload it there. I also use Pod Inbox. A pod inbox is a cool tool that you can just click and record your answer right there. But I had no idea that I had a problem, and it really wasn't even me having a problem. It was Mediafire, and to their credit, by the next day and a half, they had figured out there was a problem on their end, and they fixed it. But consequently, we got only, I think, three or four answers. So this is going to be a quick question of the month answer. But let's start off with the man that saved the day, York. Hi, this is York from Welcome to Earth Stories, a sci-fi original podcast. Now, when it comes to episode drops, I hardly do them on my show. I've I've only done it once, but it made sense because that show that I was promoting, it was weird and off the wall, strange, just like my show. So I dropped the whole episode in. But what I did I also created an intro, so I didn't just drop it in out of nowhere. Because your listener, when they're listening in, they want to hear you. They expect to hear your voice, not some stranger's voice. So I created an intro that matches her show. And when her show was wrapped up, I came back in as well. And I said, hey, if you like that show, then subscribe here and there. And you know where to find her or go on my website. So I introduce my show right at the beginning, as I normally would do. And I say to my listener, stay tuned at the end. And once that show is played, I come back on just as I promised. And then I make mention 
of her show, where to find her show, and where to find mine as well. Episode drops are good in a way that you could build friendships, connections with other like-minded podcasters, but you should only do it if it makes sense, if it matches the tone of your show. There's another show that I listen to. It's more of a political show. Now, I wouldn't drop the political show on mine because it just wouldn't make any sense to the audience. They'd be like, what is this? We're not here to listen to that type of show. So that wouldn't make any sense. But dropping a strange, bizarre, sci-fi fantasy tale, that is more in keeping with Welcome to Earth Stories. So thanks, Dave, for the question of the month. And for the listeners, if you want to hear strange, bizarre tales that you can't find anywhere else, then listen to Welcome to Earth Stories and also my spinoff show, Experimental Stories. All of these episodes can be found at welcometoearthstories.com. Thank you, York. Again, you saved the day. Check him out, welcometoearthstories.com. Hi, Dave. This is Zoe Richardson, host of Backlook Cinema, the podcast. I'm pleased to announce that we're finally coming out of hiatus. It's a show where me and a guest talk about our favorite movies from yesteryear of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. You can find us at www.backlookcinema.com. So I've listened to a few feed drops. And what I can say is that I think that as long as they're respectfully done, they can be truly effective. So in this, that what I mean is that the host will put the name in, in the title of the episode. They'll make sure that the audiences know that it's a feed drop. And then when the audience starts listening, it's the host introducing the show that they're dropping in their feed. And then the show itself is similar in tone and subject matter as the show that the audiences are already listening to. And it's often presented as a recommendation because they know what the audience or they have a sense of what the audience might be interested in. So yeah, I think that they can be effective from personal experience on some of the shows that I listened to. I first found them on a feed drop. And I've done feed drops on my own show. And what I tend to do is that I will feed drop an episode of a show that I have been a guest on. And these shows are almost always movie podcasts. So they're getting a similar show to my own. They're still hearing my voice. They're still hearing me talk about movies that I like, or sometimes movie that I, I didn't cotton to. And then they're, they're also getting a chance to listen to a show that they might be interested in. So as far as I know, I think that they can be fairly effective. So those are my thoughts on feed drops. Thanks. Have a great one. Thank you, Zoe. And of course, we'll have links to everybody's website out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 898. So we definitely have some great advice on how to do a feed drop. Here's someone who's going to tell me how do they feel about it as a listener? Like when you tune in to show A and you get show B, what are your thoughts? Hello, School of Podcast listeners. This is Randy Black from Work From The Weight. You can find me online at workfromtheweight.com. Feet drops are a thing that I've found to be pretty annoying through my time of listening to podcasts. Um, for example, a uh, great podcast out there if you're a professional wrestling fan is something to wrestle with. Uh, WWE executive Bruce Pritchard along with Conrad Thompson. They talk about all kinds of stuff from Bruce's career in the wrestling industry. But 
when another individual in the wrestling industry, Tony Schiavone, was launching a podcast of his own with Conrad, they did feed drops where they talked about Tony and what was going to happen, what his show was going to be like. And it wasn't what I tuned in for. I tuned in to hear Bruce and hear his stories. If I want to hear Tony's stories, I would seek out Tony and listen to his stories. Um, it's not one that's ever brought me to listen to another show when someone does a feed drop. So overall, I'm going to have to say that I'm, I'm simply just not a fan. I don't, I don't see the point of doing the feed drop. And I don't, I don't think there's really any gain to be had for a podcaster from doing it. Again, this is Randy Black from Work From The Weight. You can find me online at workfromtheweight.com. Yeah, Randall, I think I would agree with you. It sounds to me, now this is, you know, a little bit of the telephone game here where I'm getting feedback about a show I've never listened, so I'm getting it through a, a third person here. But one thing I think you want to avoid with a feed drop. Now, that sounded like a feed drop for a show that didn't exist. And this is kind of a Dave-ism, and that is, I'm pretty sure if you pick up any book in someone's library in their home, you're going to find out that the table of contents, I'm guessing, is not highlighted. I've never myself highlighted the table of contents. In fact, I usually find the preface or preface or preface or however you say that word, and then the introduction. I'm like, let's just start with chapter one. Let's get to the good stuff. You don't need to tell me what you're going to tell me in the book. And I think there are some shows like that. They're like, hey, coming in November, and we will do this and that. And then we, you know, we're going to be talking about, not like, no, don't tell me what you're going to be talking about. Give me, like, think about this. If you go to a restaurant, you're starving. You're absolutely starving. And you walk in, they hand you a menu, and you're like, oh, this looks awesome. And then you go, yeah, I'll take uh, a number three with uh, a side of number seven and uh, a small Coke. And they go, yeah, that's not here. You're like, wait, it's, it's the menu. They're like, no, no, that's, we don't, that's coming next week. Yeah, that's, that's annoying. And on one hand, you could see where some people are like, oh, if it's, if it's a one-of-a-kind food, they'll come back. Uh, but on the other hand, those people are leaving still hungry. And that may make them upset. So, yeah, and I, I like kind of where we're going with this. We're getting advice on how to do a feed drop. And even though that one was a co-host, like that guy had another show with another host, but in some cases, people are not going to like it. And I I almost want to throw out the 3% number. I don't know. What's one thing? I wish we had more feedback on this. And if you want to chime in on this, we can always play your results later. But uh, I I heard Rob Walsh and Elsie Escobar on The Feed. That's a show from Libsyn. And they were both kind of like, maybe, maybe not on the feed drop thing. So that's the only answers we have. So mine is, I am not a huge fan. And I, I, I thought of this later. I right now am subscribed to so many podcasts. I have, I listen to just about every podcast about podcasting. And then I have some on that are my friends. I listen to members of the school of podcasting. So I'm not really looking for new podcasts. And even if it was a great fit, your promo has to grab me quickly. Cause when the person says, and, and I love the fact that people say this is a feed drop, but I'm giving you maybe 10 seconds. And if it's not going to reach out and grab me and really get me into a state of like, wow, I want to hear more about this. I'm probably gone. So 
keep that in mind. Always consider your source. And speaking of considering your source, I want to talk about how things are getting a little wacky in the podcasting space right after this. All right, what do I mean the podcast space is getting a little wacky? Well, there have been some articles that came out recently, and my goal here is to educate you on how to evaluate information so you can make an informed decision. And what do I mean by this? Well, right now, there are 15,279 shows that are using the value for value kind of monetization strategy, along with many others, I should say, in terms of affiliate marketing and donations. And last week, we talked about crowdfunding. But I want to point this out. I was recently in Arkansas at ArtCast 2023. I got to speak there. Some really, I mean, that is an awesome community, but there are plenty of people in that community that are doing it for the love of just having a good time. I don't know that they even care about their downloads. They are just in it for a good time. So that is a way to podcast. I have one of those. I just do it. It's I, I Maybe I just love to hear my own voice. I don't know what the deal is, but I'm just having fun. And so in a way, this sounds weird. I don't mean this in an egomaniac kind of way, but they base their content on themselves because if they stop having fun, they're going to stop having that podcast. They're going to quit recording it because their goal was to have fun. Then you have what I call kind of a serious hobbyist, which I realize is kind of like a jumbo shrimp. But this is the person that, again, wants to have fun, but they do want people to listen. And so they've maybe invested in some gear. They're not using a free media host. They've, they're looking at social media. They're, they're paying attention. It's not just like, ah, whatever, let's grab some brews and run to the basement kind of thing. And again, nothing wrong with any of these. And then you have kind of the serious, well, let's go back before the, the serious hobbyist is really looking at their stats because they're trying to figure out what's working. They want to grow their audience. And so here again, they're basing their decisions on their audience size. Now, obviously, they want to have fun, but they're much more into their stats and growing them. Then you have what I call the side hustleist, if that's even a word. And this is the person that is similar to the serious hobbyist, but they're using their podcast to market a product or service that they are promoting. So it's a marketing arm of their business, hence the side hustleist. And this person, again, is looking at their downloads. That's what they base their decision on. Should we change the show or not? But they're also taking the step to try to figure out who is listening. Because for them, it's not about just getting a big audience. They want the right audience. And that right audience is the person that will buy their product or service. So here again, they're looking at the listener. So I say this because... I am seeing two kind of different sides of a coin. One is the value for value model. Nothing wrong with this. And I bring this up because Blueberry has just announced that they have a service called Podcast Mirror that makes it really easy to set your show up to receive streaming Bitcoin. 
And if that sounds super geeky, I'm here to tell you it's really not. It's it's a little ahead of its time for what I call Aunt Cheryl. And I love Aunt Cheryl, but she's not ready to start giving people Bitcoin. But they've made it super easy if you wanted to add that to your show. Now, that will cost you uh, $50 a year, uh, $60 a year on your second year, and then just stays there. And I have a video that shows you how to do this for free. But I say that because there again, it's another metric. So this is someone who is probably looking at the number of downloads. They want to reach the right audience, but they also want to reach an audience that knows how to fill their wallet. So there is that. Then you have the whole advertising part of podcasting. These are the people with the big ads. They sell them in a cost per thousand kind of metric. So if you have, you know, 20,000 downloads, we will pay you $25 for every 1,000 downloads. And that typically, that model only works for really big shows. And so I say this because if I worked in the advertising industry and I was trying to get advertisers to come on and spend money in advertising, the person I'm really serving is not the listener. I'm trying to make things better for the advertiser because I want them to spend money because I'm going to take some of that money as they come in. I'm going to get a commission. That makes sense, right? There's nothing wrong with that, except what I'm worried about is if the advertiser goes, well, that's not the way we usually do it. We need, said the guy who has zero experience with this, so take this for a grain of salt, but also consider this is a teacher, right? My background's in teaching, so my solution to everything is education. We need to educate advertisers that the information you get from Facebook you're not going to get from podcasting. But the problem is, if we say that, well, then they're going to go spend their money on Facebook ads and not podcasting. But I get it. It's it's sad because every stat I see says that podcast ads outperform uh, kind of everything without the extra, you know, hey, I need to know what that person ate last Tuesday uh, and if they're, you know, whatever, left-handed. It's crazy the information you can get from Facebook. So I, I say this, let's, let's cut off the tangent here, because that person is going to make decisions based on what the advertiser wants. And my worry has always been, this is not new, is that we're positioning ourselves to let the advertisers call the shots, because if the bigger shows who are really the only people that can benefit from most of this advertising, are serving advertisers, we'll be making decisions for, if we put up in little parentheses here, the industry, the podcast industry, based on what advertisers want and not the listener. Now, look, advertisers and people that work in that industry are not stupid. They know that we need listeners because otherwise, who are we going to put the ads in front of? But I'm just seeing different things. I just saw a an article about the history of podcasting written by somebody, again, this is my whole consider the source, that works in the advertising portion of podcasting. And they're giving a history lesson. And apparently, 
nothing happened in podcasting before advertising came into play. And I'm like, well, actually, I was there. And the really early days of podcasting, we were anti-advertising. I remember being in California at one of the very first podcasting events, myself and Paul Culligan. And Paul Culligan said, you know, if we actually got enough of an audience, we could probably make some money with this. And I swear people are going to go get pitchforks and torches and tars and feathers. And they were like, what? It's my art, man. Why would you want to monitor? You're selling out. You dude, you're the, you're the devil, man. So I say this because there are all sorts of information coming in from different aspects of podcasting. Adam Curry, who I listen to regularly and, uh, that's one of the guys that invented podcasting, has close to a million people listening to his No Agenda show. And Adam likes to say things to regular podcasters like, well, just do this or just have your audience do this and they can help with that. And I'm like, Adam, you have a million people listening to you. I do not. So again, not throwing shade on Adam and Adam gets it. He's He's been around a very, very long time. Uh, but there are times when you have to go, oh, that's right. He... He can say that because of the little bubble he's in and the people in advertising are going to say things like this because, well, they live and breathe advertising all the time. And then other people are going to say this and other people are going to say that. So I say this just to say, if you read something, if you hear something, be sure to look at who wrote the article and then go, what bubble are they from? Are they kind of a, a fun seeker? Are they a serious hobbyist? Are they the side hustleist? Or do they work in the advertising industry? Because all of those are going to slant their perspective on podcasting. In case you missed it, it's time for a podcast rewind. I was honored to be on The Flow. That is the podcast, the official podcast from Ecamm Live, which is a software I'm now using on my live Saturday show. It's very cool, but they brought me on to talk about starting a podcast. And so I shared the story about how I started in the basement because you don't need to start with $1,000 worth of equipment. You know, I started off with an old beat up microphone that I plug directly into my Dell computer sound card, that which is not a, a something I would recommend now. But like we said earlier, you start ugly and then you update this and update that. And when people see what I have now, because I've got two key lights and, you know, lights in the back and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and I see other people's stuff and I'm like, oh, you know, we, we all have that background envy. But I'm like, I didn't start here. You know, I started in many different apartments and rooms and just kind of upgrade here and there as your budget uh, sees fit. I do want to thank you so much for tuning in. In next week's episode, I'm interviewing Brendan Mulligan from PodPage. They have released a new elite version that is much more SEO focused and a whole lot of really cool stuff that's going to automate like, hey, can PodPage send an email to my guest? Yeah. How cool is that? A lot of really cool stuff in the elite version. We're also going to talk about why did he cancel the free version? Some of us like that free version. And well, he explains that and there's a really good reason for it. So if you want to hear that the minute it is out, there's an easy way to do this. All you got to do, go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash follow. 
and you can follow the show for absolutely free. And the minute that episode is out, it will show up in your app of choice. Again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash follow. And until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed.